open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We stopped last week as we began the process of going through chapter 11 and looking at the many dis- different instances of by faith and what happened, what they did, and, and what needed to happen next. So we want to just jump into that so that we can cover quite a bit of this today. We, were, we stopped in the middle of Abraham, which is found in verses 8 and beyond. And it says, by faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundation, whose architect and builder is God. We covered those verses last week, and so we begin with verse 11. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born born even of one man, and him as good as dead as that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So we read about Abraham and Sarah. We read about the fact that they went off and they lived in a different place. Abraham was willing to leave and go to a brand new place and start all over again. He did that by faith, not knowing. And it says in here, and this is a key verse, verse 10, he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He was willing to live wherever he needed to live now because his eye and his vision and his hope was on living in that great place then. And that is certainly going to sustain us today. That is going to be a key. We'll see that next week as we talk about the next aspect of all of these things that we're reading about in chapter 11. So the next verse then speaks of Sarah, and it is speaking of both Sarah and Abraham in verses 11 and 12. We know the story. We know that what happened is that they had no children, but they were told that they would have children eventually. Let's go backwards to Genesis and look at their story. Go to chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. Abraham had been promised a son. Abraham had been um, declared to be righteous. Abraham was doing his best to serve the Lord, but this son, this child, wasn't coming. And so in chapter 16, we see that they took matters into their own hands. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid there. Perhaps I will obtain a child through here. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. After Abram lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband Abram as his wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived, and she had a son, and the story continues with that. Now we know that this son and this particular issue caused all sorts of problems. This was not the son that God said you were going to have. This was not the heir that God said was going to be the one that was going to be the one that you would have as many descendants as there are stars and as there is sand in the seashore. So go to chapter 18 now. And we have some people visiting Abram. And the Lord appeared to him, it says in verse 1. The Lord appeared to him. This is an instance of 
of Jesus Christ appearing in the flesh before his incarnation. And, and he would have come and he would have had this conversation with, uh, with the Lord. And he didn't realize it was the Lord and with some angels. And it says to us then, beginning in verse 9, where is Sarah your wife? And he said, well, they're in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah your wife will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And so the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Now I want you to go back to Hebrews, because that's exactly what happened, was came back and there was a child that Abraham and Sarah did have a child, and we know all about that. We'll meet him in just a moment. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore there was born, even of one man, and him as good as dead at that, many descendants. So here's what we need to understand, is that Sarah did indeed, when the message was first given to her, that you're going you're gonna to have a child. A year from now, you're going to have a child. Sarah laughed, and Sarah thought and said, well, that's not going to happen. This isn't, this isn't possible. You don't quite understand the situation here, apparently. That's not going to happen. We're not going to have a child. That's virtually impossible. And laughed at the very notion that that would take place. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, we read, By faith, Sarah and Abraham responded in such a way that they had a child. What do we learn here from this? Sarah's trust changed. Sarah's faith changed. As we went through this last week, we went through and we saw some unique things with the first few examples that we saw. And here we learn another unique thing about us and faith. And that is this. Faith can grow. Faith can change. Faith can get a hold of you and grab you. And an issue in your life whereby you're laughing at God about or you are incredibly unsure about concerning God can grow to such a degree that you have faith concerning that issue God doesn't simply walk away when we fail to live by faith right away it doesn't scare him it doesn't worry him it doesn't panic him God understands that we have issues God understands that we have concerns God understands our fears our anxieties God understands us trying to balance and put together the life of, of living in this physical place with these physical limitations and making sense of a spiritual life and spiritual non-limitations God understands all that and there are times when there's something maybe going on in our life and we're like Sarah and we laugh or we mourn and God doesn't walk away and God doesn't throw up his hands God continues to be a part of our life they knew that having a baby was physically impossible and yet God had promised had he not and Sarah and Abraham came to the point 
where they had the faith they needed and God worked in the way that He needed and that baby was born. My point is this. Your life with God is a continuing journey. And make sure that you keep in mind that that you need to view the movie and not a snapshot. A snapshot does not define you. You may doubt. You may worry. You may be troubled. You may laugh at that notion that God will work that thing out. But you work through those fears. You work through those issues. You work through those anxieties. And you'll come to a place where by faith, you're trusting God and you're where you need to be once again. I want you to notice what it says in this verse. It says in, the, in verse 11 that, that uh, we'll just do the whole verse, by faith even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. I want you to notice where the faith is placed once again. The faith was not placed in hers and Abraham's ability. The faith was placed in God. She had faith in God. It didn't make any sense. It didn't seem possible. It seemed wrong and backwards. But she came to grips with it. He came to grips with it. And they placed their faith in God. They trusted Him who is faithful. They rested in Him. And a child was born. And it's just as the Bible said that Abraham had as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Abraham has all of those relatives. Well, as we continue going here, we want to skip over these next couple of verses. We'll look at those next week. So let's jump down to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Well, with Noah, we saw the duration of faith. 100 years of his preaching and building and believing that indeed the rains would come and that ark would be used. With Abraham, we see the depth of faith. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. That came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. I want you to notice that it says in verse 22, verse 1, and it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. God tested Paul. God tested Peter. God tested many great men of faith. The question is, where's your faith? Men and women of God, where's your faith? And there's going to be these tests that come along every once in a while about where our faith is. And there's going to be times when we're going to be like Sarah and laugh and be overwhelmed with that can't possibly happen and have to work into it. And there's going to be times we're going to be like Abraham and Abraham's going to say, here I am. And we're going to say, here I am. 
And, and God said to Abraham in verse 2, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham got up and did exactly as God told him to do. Our faith will be tested throughout our life. And there will be times when we'll be like Sarah, and there will be times when we'll be like Abraham. And Abraham did exactly what God told him to do. And, on the, and they, they got up and they went on this journey. Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and he went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and we will return to you. He had every confidence that God's promises through Isaac would be fulfilled. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Talk about living by faith. What's the solution to this problem, Dad? God will take care of it, son. God will provide. God will provide for us. God will do what he said he was going to do. He will provide for us. You are going to be the heir. We're going to have a lot of children. God will provide. They came to the place which God had told them in verse 9. Abraham built the altar, arranged the wood, bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. You know, we ask why in the world... Would there be a test for Abraham? Why in the world would there be a test for us? Well, verse number 13 explains that in part, doesn't it? For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld that one thing that meant so much to you. It's possible that God is testing us with that one thing that means so much to us, whatever that thing may be. Do we still love God? Do we still fear God? Do we still have faith in God in spite of Him saying that one thing, do you love me or it more? There's a test here. How are you going to do? What's going to happen? Abraham was willing to obey God. Now, this is one of those, those deep ones that we look at, and it comes with a whole bunch of questions. But we're really not going to go into those things. We're simply going to say that Abraham responded by faith. Did it make sense? No. Was it easy to follow? Absolutely not. Why did he do it? And he did it because he knew God. He did it because he knew God's faithfulness. He did it because he believed in God's promises. He did it because he believed in what God told him was going to happen, was going to happen. He did it because he lived his life by faith. Abraham had faith. This is a deep faith, is it not? Yes, I will give you my son. Yes, I will give you that thing that means the most to me. And I will still love you. I will still walk with you. I will still honor you. 
I will still proclaim you. You're my God. By faith. That's where we're headed in our life, folks, right there. That's the kind of faith we want. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. So it says, by faith Abraham obeyed God, and it it tells us in verse 19 a little insight into this. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received them back as a type. He had such deep faith in God that he understood that if he was to go ahead and sacrifice his son, God would raise him back to, to life again because God said, that's the seed. And Abraham said, your promise is going to be fulfilled. I believe your promise above all things. And so if you say that Isaac's going to be the seed, I believe that Isaac's going to be the seed, and I'm going to trust you completely. And if you say, go ahead and sacrifice him, I will sacrifice him because you're going to do what you said you were going to do. That's living by faith. That's deep faith. And that's where we need to get to in our life as well. This was a type of Jesus, it says right here. He understood that, the Bible says in this passage of Scripture in verse 19. He also received him back as a type. A type of what? It was pointing to Jesus Christ. Okay? That he was the substitute and then the lamb became the substitute. And, and it was all pointing to Jesus. It was all pointing to Jesus. Well, as we continue, we read a couple of more. By faith, it says in verse 20, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau even regarding things to come. This was one of those times when we had a father blessing his son far into the generation beyond and saying, I believe that God will do these things for you. I believe that God will bless. I believe that God will take care of you. I believe that God will provide for you. And he blessed. He lived by faith. We go to the next verse there, and it says, By faith Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. He believed that even though they were facing some dire circumstances and some difficult times, that by faith God would bless this nation and take them to a greater place. It says that by faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. He was very much like Jacob and the fact that he knew that one day we won't be here. One day we won't be in Egypt. And you need to understand that all evidence was to the contrary on that one. They had been there for almost 400 years. Generations had been born in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. Egypt was an incredibly powerful nation and there was no way that this group of slaves, this unorganized group of people were ever going to be able to rebel and walk away from Egypt. It just made no sense. And there's Joseph saying, you know what? Someday when you leave this, take my bones out. Bury me in my father's land. Don't bury me here. And they said, we'll take care of it. Because he had, he had a life that believed that God was going to do what God was going to do. He had a life of faith by faith. We see in verses 20, 21, and 22 generational faith then generational faith as you are raising your children and as you have an impact on your grandchildren or as you have an impact on other people are you teaching them faith do we do a good job of teaching them faith now make sure that you understand what I'm saying here 
I'm not asking you if you did a good job in teaching them about Jesus Christ as the Savior, as the only way to heaven. I'm asking you, are you, are you doing a good job of teaching the next generation faith, a reliance and a trust upon God that is above anything? Are we good at passing that along? Because we see that that's exactly what happened in these verses. That's our job. That's our task, is to help people see God in such a way that they'll want to walk with God today having great faith. By faith. Well, let's move on. Verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith. What was the king's edict? The king's edict was kill all the male children. If there's a male born midwives, you need to kill that male because we're not about to allow a baby to be born that may grow up and be this so-called deliverer that we've been hearing about. We're going to end that right now. I'm the king, and my decree is that you will kill babies. And the Bible says that by faith, Moses' parents said, we will not, we will not follow an ungodly, evil command like that. We are not afraid of the king's edict. We will save and spare our son by faith. Now, I need to, I need to say that there are many times when, when we, in our society, get into a, a fix and and, and there may be an unwanted pregnancy, and there may be a difficult pregnancy, and we need to, by faith, believe that holding on to that baby is more important than aborting that baby. By faith that God knows what he's doing. By faith that it'll work out. By faith that life matters. We need to take that to the other end of the spectrum in our society as well and believe by faith that God knows what he's doing and that that person is still on this earth because God's in charge and God has a plan. By faith, I will not be a part of a society that begins to go down a road. I will not be a part of that process, that practice of the society that is going down a road that says take a life early. I won't do that. By faith, I won't do that. Begin to get ready for that now. By faith, God knows what he's doing and God is the giver and the taker of life and only God is the giver and the taker of life by faith we live that way by faith well they were not afraid and so they kept that baby alive and we know that that baby was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter and, and her helpers and was raised by Pharaoh himself. And so it says in verse 24 then, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure, do, endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. By faith, Moses said, you know what? I belong to those people. I belong to God. I know God. And I understand that life would be much better here. I understand that life would be much more comfortable here. I understand that this is a good, wonderful, easy life. And that is a hard life. And that is a difficult life. And the future with that life is incredibly unsure. And this life is a good one. But I belong with them. 
And I believe that God will do a work in my life as I live with them. And Moses said, by faith, I'm going to go and I'm going to be with them. It is interesting, isn't it, that it's, it talks about the fact that there is a temporary versus an eternal. And so one of the things that we learn in this particular story is that we need to have a faith that is an eternal faith. A faith that says there is a better and brighter day. Not only do we need a faith that sustains us for today, for the issue today, we need a faith that sustains us beyond today so that we can have that confidence. And Moses is that example of that. He refused to endure ill treatment. He refused to have the pleasures of Egypt. Rather, he endured the ill treatment with the people of God. It was, I am not going to rejoice in and be comfortable in the passing pleasures of sin. I'm going to be faithful to the one who's faithful to me. By faith, Faith will sustain us past those, those temporary, those, those short passing pleasures by faith. God says there's a reward to saying no. God says there's a reward to saying yes to Him. God has a plan. God will do it. It's what we looked at last week, and then I referred to even in Psalm 42 this morning, is that God said to Cain, why is your countenance, why is your countenance dropped? What's the deal with your countenance? And the psalmist said that my countenance needs to be different as I trust you. The passing pleasures of sin versus relying upon and living with God by faith for what he has promised beyond this moment. So faith is eternal as well. Temporary ills versus eternal blessings well it says then that in verse 26 he considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking for the reward there's that future again he was looking for that reward and we'll talk about that next week by faith he left Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is unseen why did he leave Egypt why did he not fear the wrath of the king what gave him the endurance that he needed, what gave him the courage that he needed, he was seeing God, who is unseen. And that goes back to verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. He was seeing the God that he believed in. And he said, God, we're going to trust you, and we're going to follow you. And that's our example as well today. It goes on, and it says in verse 28 then, By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. This is one of those interesting ones. This is going back to the time when when Moses was having the conversation with Pharaoh about, you need to let my people go. And Pharaoh said, I'm not about to let your people go. That's never going to happen. And, and, and Moses, and, and he went back and he said, you need to do this. You need to let my people go. God says, let Israel go. And Pharaoh said, it's not going to happen. And And so what God started doing is he started giving them the plagues. And you're aware of the plagues. And and the plagues were always attacking one of Egyptians' gods. And the nation of Israel, where they lived together in the land of Goshen, they were not touched by any of the plagues. One of the plagues was boils. The nation of Israel didn't have boils. One of the plagues was flies and gnats. They didn't have that. 
death of the animals. They didn't have that. Darkness, they didn't have that. They didn't have any of the plagues. And finally, the very last plague is that there was a conversation and, and it was told to Pharaoh that tonight, tonight, the angel of death will come throughout all of Egypt and the firstborn of Egypt will die everywhere. Firstborn animal, firstborn children, all firstborn will die tonight as the angel of death passes through the nation of Israel. God had told Moses to tell the nation of, of Israel, what you need to do is have a feast. We're going to have a Passover feast. And we're going to take a lamb and we're going to, we're going to take that, that lamb and we're going to cut it up and we're going to sacrifice that and we're going to have us a, a quite the feast and we're going to celebrate what it is that God's about to do. And you're going to take the blood of that lamb, and you're going to take and you're going to paint on the sides of the door and on the top of the door, and you're going to be in your home, and you're going to be dressed, ready to go, and the nation of Israel is not only going to have you leave, but they're going to give you all sorts of their belongings, and they're going to say, please get out of our nation. Please take these things with you and leave. And so Moses went to all of the people, and he said, this is what you need to do tonight. You need to do that lamb and take that blood and paint the sides of your door and the top of your door and the angel of death will pass over you. Does that make any sense at all? It, it makes no sense at all, folks. No sense at all. That's what they were supposed to do. And the angel of death will pass over any home that has the door painted with the blood of the lamb by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that it says he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them by faith this makes no sense this makes no sense to a logical mind that if you simply put blood on the sides and the tops of the doors you'll be protected by God why is, it that, why is that such an issue because God said that's the way it needs to be and it was pointing toward Jesus Christ who died on the cross and His blood takes care of us. And there's this thing that we cherish and cling to called the substitutionary atonement. Jesus Christ atoned for our blood. He was our substitute. And does it make any sense that someone died on the cross some 2,000 years ago and shed His blood and that someone was God in the flesh, and because he did that thing 2,000 years ago, that if you believe him today, you'll be saved. Does that make any sense? And to a, a mind apart from Christ, the answer is no. But to a mind that is filled with faith, it makes all the sense in the world. By faith. You are saved by faith, by the blood of Jesus Christ, today in the same way that that nation of Israel or the nation of Israel was saved as they put blood on their door by faith you believed that the blood of the lamb mattered because God said it did by faith what an amazing wonderful thing that we are saved today by faith by the blood of Jesus Christ and that faith that saves you is the faith that Hebrews 11 is talking about over and over again, the faith that God wants you to have for your daily life. It goes on in verse 19, or verse 29, excuse me. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. 
by faith. So here you have the nation of Israel, some two million strong, and they're leaving Egypt and they're left with all of Egypt's goodies and, and they have this large reward with them and they have more stuff than they ever imagined as slaves they would ever have. And they're leaving and they're fleeing and they come to the edge of the Red Sea. And there's the Red Sea and meanwhile behind them, Pharaoh changed his mind and here comes the army of Egypt and they have their chariots and they have their spears, and they have their bow and arrows, and they have their knives and swords, and you're about to die. And God says to Moses, it, it, that's all right, just take that staff and just touch that water, and those, that water's going to part, and it'll be fine. If you believe in me, if you believe in me, I'm going to protect you. And this is the coolest thing, obviously, right? And, and so they did that very thing, and the Red Sea parted, and they walked across that, that little that sea that is in the Middle East there, and they did it on dry land, the Bible says. And it's the neatest thing. And then the sea came back, and the entire Egyptian army was drowned. There's a story told, and it's a cute one, and it's, it, but it, it just reminds us so much about what faith is all about. There was a story of a, of, a, of a child reading this story, and there's an old guy next to, to that child, and the child gets to this port and said, well, hallelujah, God, praise God, you're a good God. And the guy said, what? What is that? What? And she said, nation of Israel just walked through the Red Sea, and they didn't get wet at all and, and nothing. And the guy said, oh, that's a bunch of nonsense. That was just a, a little overflowing part of, of, a, of a lake there, and it was just a couple of inches at best, no big deal at all. And the child kept reading and got to the part where the army of Egypt was drowned and said, well, well, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And the guy said, now what? And he said, the entire Egyptian army was just drowned in two inches of water. Because God can do those things. God says, I'm going to do this. And you know what faith says? Faith says they walked through the Red Sea or faith says they were drowned in two inches of water. Faith says God worked. Look what he did. And that's where we need to get to in our lives as well, that we can see that God worked. Well, the next one is in verse 30. It's a great one. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Let's go back and look at that one. Let's go to uh, Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Let's see what happened. You know, the book of Joshua is all about um, they come into the promised land and they are going to have this mighty war machine and they're going to go across and they're going to conquer nation after nation and city after city and they're going, to, they're going to take the promised land as God told them to take the promised land. So in chapter 6, we have the nation is camped outside of the city of Jericho. And it says in Joshua chapter 6, now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out, no one came in. The sons of Israel, they were a scary group at this point. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. You need to understand what's going on right now. Joshua is outside of the city. He's looking at the city and God has a conversation with him and he says, look at that city, Joshua. It is locked up tight. They are afraid of you. That's your city. I've just given it to you. God, they're pretty fortified. It says this in verse 3, You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once, and do it for six days. So can you imagine Joshua going back and telling his generals, this is what we're going to do. Here's our plan. We're going to march around the city tomorrow, and then we're going to be done. 
We're going to do that six days in a row. We're just going to march around the city, and then we're going to be, we're going to be done. And it says that uh, they were supposed to do that for seven, six days, and it says in verse 4, Also the seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark, then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And so Joshua, on the seventh day, march around it seven times. And then it says what's going to happen is the priests are going to blow the trumpets. Now, you need to understand at, at this point in the book of Joshua, although it's early, um, Joshua is understanding that, that they are going to go to war and they're going to take over the promised land. Okay? You're going to march around the city once every day for six days. The priests are going to be there. They're going to carry the trumpets, if you will. They're going to be there. The ark's going to be there. On the seventh day, we're going to walk around the city seven times. Okay? And the priests are going to blow the trumpets. And it shall be when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. Here's how you're going to get the city, Joshua. You're going to walk around it every day for six days. And on the seventh day, you're going to walk around it seven times. And then when you're done doing that, the priests are going to blow the trumpets and those walls are going to fall out towards you and greet you like a welcome mat. You're going to walk in and take the city. Now go tell your generals, get them lined up and do that. By faith. I believe God. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11, because that's exactly what happened. And if you continue reading Joshua, you'll know that that's exactly what happened. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith. Odd battle plan, to say the least, wasn't it? By faith. Okay, God, I'll do what you tell me to do. Because I believe in you. Verse 31, by faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. This tells the story of Rahab and she trusted and believed in God and she followed God and the spies came to check things out and she said, I believe in God and I'm going to hide these spies because I believe that God is the true and living God. And this was a woman who was not a good woman at all and so what we learn here is that faith changes people. Faith changes people. And it doesn't really matter who you were. When you believe in the living God, you're changed, and you're new, and you're different. And God says, who you were doesn't matter anymore. We're now concerned about who you are. And so a person named Rahab the harlot is found in Hebrews chapter 11 as a woman who had great faith. Because faith changes people. And she was changed. And she believed in God. God existed. She believed it. God was a good God. And she believed it. And the Bible doesn't... The Bible, excuse me, always teaches us that you can be different and faith is the avenue whereby that is going to happen. So what have we seen? What have we learned? What have we looked at? By faith, it's believing God. By faith, it's obeying God. By faith, it's following God. By faith, it's hanging on to God's promises. By faith, it's doing what God wants. By faith, you do it in spite of what you think. By faith, you do it in spite of hardships and difficulties and troubles. By faith. By 
faith. I want to do one more thing here before we close this morning. And that is I just want to take a few and just be very practical about a few things. Because some of the things that we read about in Hebrews, these are not the kinds of things that we're called on to do by faith. We are called on some other, to do some other things. So let's look at a couple of those things, shall we? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How are you handling life? By faith. What do you mean? Well, there's a verse in the Bible that tells me that I shouldn't be anxious for anything. I can't control it anyway. And so what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to go to God in prayer and I'm supposed to thank Him and I'm supposed to let Him know what, I, what is going on in my mind. And you know what God does then when I do that? When I believe that He is and when I believe that He's listening to me and I have faith about God, God gives me a peace that passes so much of my mind that I can't even hardly comprehend it. And I am at peace in a way I can't even explain to you. That's living by faith. How about, let's go to James chapter 1. By faith, I'm going to go ahead and trust God, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask that He do, do that, and I'm going to experience a peace that I can't hardly explain. James chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to you. How in the world do you handle it when life seems to beat you up regularly? Well, I live my life by faith. And the Bible says that I should consider those trials a joyful event because I recognize that when trials come into my life and I deal with them properly, those things which are testing my faith lead to endurance. And the Bible says that in the midst of those, if I'll ask him, he'll give me great wisdom. And I'm able to endure them because of that. Wow, that's living by faith, isn't it? By faith. How about Ephesians chapter 4? Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Isn't that that person that treated you the worst way you've ever treated in your whole life? Yeah, that, that was that person. How, in the, how? You were decent. You were kind. You were nice. What in the world? How'd you do that? Well, because I live my life by faith, and the Bible says that I should be kind to one another. I should be tender-hearted and compassionate to other people. And in fact, it says I should forgive other people. They don't deserve your forgiveness. No, they really don't. But the Bible says I should forgive them because God forgave me, and I certainly didn't deserve forgiveness. And so I'm just living by faith and doing what the Bible tells me to do. Well, that's, that's living by faith. That's, that's pretty remarkable, isn't it? How about Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12. 
in the list of all of these different things that I'm supposed to do because I'm presenting my body as a living sacrifice, as Trevor read to us earlier today. It says right in the middle of that in verse 13, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. You are such a generous person. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. How is it that you do that? I know that life is as hard for you as it is hard for me. Why, why are you a generous person? Why do you give to people? Why do you help people out? Why do you pour yourself into people? Well, because I live my life by faith, and the Bible tells me that what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to give to those that are in need, especially those of the household of faith. And the Bible says that I should be a hospitable person in all situations. And so I practice that to the best of my ability because I want to be a person of faith. And believe that what God says is the right thing to do. And that's what I want to do. By faith. Turn to John. We'll start with verse 3. Or chapter 3. Sorry. We could do this for a really long time, could we not? But I put a battery in the clock this morning and it tells me that it's about time to leave. John chapter 3. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Really? If I believe in Jesus, I can have eternal life? I won't, I won't die and live a life separated from him forever? If I believe in Jesus? Yep, by faith. That's, that's exactly what it says. John chapter 11. Verse 25, Jesus said to him, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. You mean, if I believe in Jesus, that he's the resurrection and the life, if I believe that he died for my sins, that, 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 that when I die I live, and, and, and now that I live I'll never die? It, that's what you're saying the Bible says? Yeah, that's exactly what it says, by faith. You'll live forever. How about John chapter 14? Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. You mean there's a place for me after this world? Yeah. By faith, I believe that there's a place for me after this world. By faith, I believe that because I believe in Jesus, I will live and never die. And even if I die physically, I will still live. And I will be with him. And he's preparing a place for me right now. And the only way to ever get to the Father is through Jesus. Because he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's living a life of faith. By faith. It's bigger than you think, and it's more practical than you think, and you're practicing it more than you think. But we started this a couple weeks ago with a passage that said, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. We need to constantly grow in our faith, don't we? It maybe needs to be deeper like Abraham's, or more eternal like the patriarchs, or... Maybe it needs to be enduring like Noah's. Maybe it needs to be life-changing like Rahab's. Maybe it needs to be like those who are in Egypt with the blood or there with Joshua 
um, with the city of Jericho, it needs to be a faith that, that sees beyond what is going on right here in front of me. By faith. We're not much different than all the people we just read about in Hebrews chapter 11. We're really not. Folks, practice your faith. Live your faith. Be men and women of faith, by faith. Father, thanks for our time. Thanks for the Word of God. Thank you for the truth. We certainly struggle with this. We look at these folks and we think, wow, they were magnificent. And yet when we really study them, we know that they had flaws like we. They had weaknesses like we. But they lived by faith. Father, do a work in us that we would live by faith. That by faith, by faith is what we would be. By faith is what we would do. By faith is what we'd be marked by. And we pray that you would do this work in our life. And we ask this in Jesus' name.